May this day we celebrate you as we thank you and be grateful in this day for your supply. For because you always supply all of that we need. Bless this day, Father, and we thank you because you always supply our needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please Amen. be seated. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Happy Thanksgiving week. Uh, it, it's kind of crazy. I thought that 2021 just started and we're in November. We're, we're, we're into the holiday madness and I know there's a lot going on, but I want to let you more, know about more going on, especially in that during Thanksgiving, oftentimes we like to be able to give of ourselves. I want to give you some opportunities of ways you can give yourself away. First off, Last week, we shared with you this opportunity to be able to provide Thanksgiving boxes that include a turkey, an entire Thanksgiving meal for a family, as well as 20 extra meals to be able to provide that to 1,100 families. And I'm so grateful for the ways that you guys have responded. You guys gave over $5,000 over and above your regular offerings to Fresh Beginnings for that, and that's worth clapping for, for sure. You guys have also started filling up the pirate's chest and back with gravy and, and, and stuffing and all of the other things, and know that that is going to go directly into those boxes because we have another 250 that they're going to be making. And if you guys just want to, to get a smile on your face, you can walk across the street after the service and you can poke your head into the family room, which is the building across the street, and you will see over 900 of these Thanksgiving boxes ready to go out. Now, toward that, we actually have to give these things away, and so starting tomorrow at 8 a.m. and running until about 4 o'clock, both tomorrow as well as Tuesday, we are going to be giving them to the different organizations that will then hand them directly to these families in our community. If you want to help give them away, particularly if you like schlepping things, and I see some schleppers in here. So if you like schlepping, join me tomorrow at 8 a.m. because we're going to schlep a lot of boxes from the family room across the street and get them set up to be able to put into vehicles. All right? Again, that's from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday and Tuesday out here in the parking lot. Then what we have been doing as a church family since about, I don't know, the last couple of months is we've been doing meals on Wednesday nights, which are glorious because 60-some-odd of us will show up on any given Wednesday night. This is going to be the one week that we don't do that this month because we have Thanksgiving the very following day. So instead of doing a, a meal on Wednesday night, we are going to do a Thanksgiving dinner here at the church on Thursday night. And that is for any of you that don't have a place already planned where you're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. Come and share Thanksgiving with your Lighthouse family. And if you know somebody that doesn't have a place right now to to, to kind of have Thanksgiving, invite them to come with you. Also, there are some of you who already have a place you're going, but you would like to be able to just potluck it with the, the Lighthouse family. You want to be able to just kind of pour into that. On your connection card, I'm sorry, on the bulletin you got here on the very front is all of the information. It starts at 3 p.m. for some, some social time, and then at 4 p.m. you guys are going to eat. And unlike my family that says we're going to eat at 4 and we don't eat until about 9, 
You guys will actually, because Rachel's running this thing, you guys will actually start eating at four. If you would like to bring food for that, this is a potluck style thing. So if you want to bring food for it, please, please, please just mark that card. Go and see Rachel. She's going to be out in the foyer after the service. And if you're planning on coming, if you're even seriously considering coming or bringing somebody, please let her know because they want to get a pretty good idea of a head count just so we make sure we have enough turkey to go around. All right? Excellent. Did I do, was that sufficient, Rachel? I got two thumbs up from Rachel, which means I'm not in trouble, which is really a really wonderful thing. Okay. So this Thursday is Thanksgiving. It is the one day marked in our calendars where we are required to be thankful. Right? Whether we do it or not really depends on whether or not your team wins the game that day or whether politics comes up in your conversation or whether, there, you, whether you have the willpower not to eat too much. Right? That seconds and thirds, uh, thirds that always get me. So Thursday is Thanksgiving. It is a day that we have to remind ourselves as Americans, we should probably be a little bit thankful for the myriad blessings that I have. And it is, ironically, followed closely on its heels by the single greatest day of capitalistic consumption on the calendar, right? I, I always laugh about the fact that Thanksgiving Thursday very quickly gives into Black Friday. And, and my, I have to remind my son every year, no, that's not the day that Jesus was arrested and crucified and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's a different Friday. That was Good Friday. This is Black Friday. This is where we have to go buy stuff. We were thankful for what we had, but we didn't have enough to be thankful for, so now we got to go get the stuff we wish we had. And I think that this is a perfect picture of the issue that we have as American citizens, the, the issue that we have as human beings, let's just be really honest, as human beings, we have this very thin line between gratitude and ungratitude, between feeling like we have enough or too much stuff. I mean, those of you who can't park your vehicle in your garage, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you paying for storage for all your stuff so you have more space to get more stuff, you know what I'm talking about. We have this moment where we can be grateful, but it's followed very quickly by the myriad things that we're not grateful for. It is so incredibly difficult as human beings to simply stay in a posture of gratitude. And oftentimes, our, our, our posture of gratitude is 100% contingent upon our circumstances, right? Like, it's not hard to be grateful when my sweetie's happy with me, when my kids are acting more maturely than they did the week before, when they're not talking back, um, when, when my investments are up, when things are going well at work, when, somebody, you know, when, when people are liking things I post on social media and whatever else you want to add into the list of things that matter to you, when all of those things are going well, it's not hard to be thankful. But you change any one of those things, any one of those things, or if I am inconvenienced in the slightest, like, oh my gosh, Costco changed the way that I have to line up to get gasoline. Are you kidding me? Now I'm upset. Now my gratitude is out the window and now I'm feeling put upon, right? I know that it's just me. I know that you guys, this is just me venting right now. I, none of you can identify with what I'm talking about. But this is the reason, by the way, that over and over and over throughout Scripture, we are reminded that we need to cultivate an attitude of gratitude or a posture of thankfulness. I'm just going to give you a smattering, 
but there's dozens and dozens. So let's go ahead and look at Psalm 100. Psalm 100, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Therefore, Psalm 100 concludes, keep going. Yes, no, maybe so. Oh, we already read that part. Go again. Next one. There we go. Enter. So this is how Psalm 100 concludes. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Because we are his, we are called to be a thankful people. Or how about Colossians? Can we throw that up there? Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Be thankful. And then 1 Thessalonians, this is my favorite one. We're going to come back to this a couple of times today. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, even when Costco changes up how you get gas, even when your kids talk back to you, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Over and over and over, and I know I've just given you just, this is like tapas. This is just samples. This is, you just walked into uh, 31 flavors, and you got handed a couple of pink spoons. You got a couple of flavors, but the, the, the heart of it is the same. Be thankful. When's the last time you ever walked into 31 flavors, by the way? Just, sorry, ADHD, right? Like, Yogurt, you guys, you know, but you get the little sample cup. That was just a sample of the myriad times that we are called to be thankful. As sons and daughters of God, we are called to be thankful, grateful people. But that does not come naturally. It doesn't come easily. And as we see between that thin line between Thursday night and Friday morning, or even the way that Black Friday begins to leak into Thanksgiving, it is really difficult for us to remain grateful. And I got to tell you guys, we are not called to be grateful for one day only. We are called to act, you know, live out of a posture of gratitude and gratefulness. So here's the question that I want us to grapple with this morning. How do we cultivate that posture? How do we make it something that is more than just a momentary blip? where we're, we're grateful at the beginning of dinner because we're all sitting around, we're all seated, the, the, the table's beautiful, but by the end of the dinner, you're feeling a little bit gross, you, you've gotten into some uncomfortable conversations, people are staring at their phones as, as opposed to talking to one another, and your team is suddenly down. How can we cultivate a posture of gratitude and thankfulness where even in those circumstances, you're still thankful? That's the question we're going to ask ourselves this morning. The first thing I want us to recognize about thankfulness is that thankfulness is tied to our perspective. It is all about our perspective. Ultimately, what you look at will determine what you see. What you focus your thoughts on, what you tend to look for, you will find it. And let me just say right here, we live in a, a, a 
imperfect world. And every single one of our lives and every single person that we interact with, as wonderful as they may be, they are imperfect. And so if you go looking for the imperfections, you will find it 100% of the time. You want to find imperfections to be disappointed about in your spouse? That's not very hard to find. You want to find imperfections to be disappointed about in your kids? Those aren't hard to find because they're just like you. Kids, you want to find imperfections in your parents that you want to be disappointed about? You can find those. You want to find them in your job? You want to find them in your coworkers? You want to find them in your boss? You want to find them in your employees? You will find them 100% of the time. And if you focus on those things, that is all you will see. You ever, when you were growing up, do you guys ever play slug bug? Maybe you call it something else, like you see a beetle or whatever, you know, VW, you get to punch your brother or your sister. Like on road trips, that was our family's favorite game. I loved it because I was the, the firstborn, I was bigger and stronger than my brothers. I won a lot. And when they tried to hit me, it's was like, whatever. When you start looking for slug bugs, or when you get a new car, you start seeing that car everywhere, right? When you start looking for a certain thing, suddenly you start seeing that thing everywhere. It's not that there's more of them suddenly on the road. It's that you are now training yourself to look for it. The same goes for things to be grateful for. We will always be able to find things that we are disappointed about. And in fact, I would suggest that our culture trains us to look for things to be dissatisfied about. Trains us to look for things that make us uncontented. In fact, they have a purpose in doing so because discontentment sells. And this, is, this isn't just an American problem. This is a human problem. This is a problem that has existed for as long as humanity has been walking the earth. I mean, think about this for a moment. God created humanity in his image. You don't get more valuable than that. He created us to do life with him. You don't get more intimate than that. And then he stuck us in a garden that he named delight. That's what Eden means in Hebrew. The garden of delight. Everything you need is right there at your fingertips. And in fact, the animals want to hang out with you. They don't want to eat you. Don't eat them either, okay? So, so this is what we were born into. This is what we got to experience where we get to co-labor with God and making something beautiful out of that. And then in comes the serpent slithering in to our reality. And the serpent has a goal. He wants to upset the relationship with our creator and the image bearers. But rather than simply looking at the image bearers and saying, hey, God's a jerk. You should rebel against him. He told you not to touch that tree with its fruit. You should totally do it. Rather than starting there, what does the serpent do? He points directly at Adam and Eve and he says, hey, do you realize that you're deficient? Do you realize that when God made you, yeah, you might be made in his image, but he kept some pieces out. Like, he didn't let you know the difference between good and evil. He knows it. You don't. You're not really fully like him and he's holding out on you. Oh, but, but I got a solution to what ills you. Because you see that tree over there? Yeah, the one he told you not to touch. Guess what? If you eat that fruit, it'll give you the very thing that he withheld from you. 
This is what prompted Adam and Eve to disobey. It was, it began with the idea that I am not enough as I am. I am deficient. So I need something that can make me sufficient. That's what led them to disobey God. And in the same way, we live in a society, a capitalistic society, that thrives off of you feeling dissatisfied about your life so that you will also reach for and purchase whatever product can somehow plug whatever holes that you have been that has been brought to your attention that you have. And so every single day on average you and I are inundated with between 6 and 10 thousand advertisements that don't begin with, look at our product, pretty. It begins with, you're not enough as you are. Your life could be better. You could be like this person who's smiling like a maniac if you only had this toy. If you take our product, you're going to go ahead and sit in a bath out in the middle of a hill and your sweetie will be in another bath and you'll be holding hands or something ridiculous like that. Like that's reality. They paint a reality that is not true. As if you're not enough until you drive this car, but once you drive this car, you'll never sit in traffic again. You notice that they never have their vehicle in traffic, despite the fact that you will always sit in traffic with your vehicle. You, they never have their vehicle at a red light, save to be able to look over and have the person like coveting your car. That's the only time you ever see a car at a red light, and then it's just smooth sailing from there on. We are trained to be dissatisfied, and if we go, and if we allow ourselves to focus on dissatisfaction, we will find it every single time. If you start looking for things to be dissatisfied in your marriage, I guarantee you, you'll find it. You try to look for things that make you dissatisfied in your relationships with your kids or your friends or your co-workers or anything else, even in your church community, you will find it. I know that's hard to believe, but Jeff and I are imperfect people, and we will let you down 100% of the time if you expect perfection from us. So what is the alternative? We need to train ourselves to be the kind of people who take our eyes off of imperfections and begin to seek out good. Begin to look for God in the midst of the brokenness of this broken world that we find ourselves walking through. I love... Paul, Paul is a great example of somebody who, who just kept his eyes fixed on Jesus, and he learned how to operate in the midst of a broken world. And I love what he says uh, in, in his letter to the Philippians. He says this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether when I'm well-fed or I'm hungry, whether living in poverty or living with plenty or in want. And here's, here is his secret. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Who is, who is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. I mean, I know. That is a total pastoral question, right? The answer is always Jesus. Paul's solution to life is not a three-step process to get your needs met. 
It is not a three-step solution to training your spouse to give you everything you need or to training your parents to giving you what you want. Paul's solution is this. I take my eyes off of my circumstances and I fix my eyes back onto Jesus. I don't find my contentment based upon my circumstances, based upon whether I'm comfortable, based upon whether I'm healthy, wealthy, or happy. All of those things fluctuate. I've experienced all of those things, and they'll change. Instead, I find my, uh, my contentment in Him. I find my contentment in knowing that He is in control and He is leading my steps. And as I follow Him, I find that life has purpose beyond simply my comfort. Jesus is enough for me. That's Paul's conclusion. Could you say the same thing? This is rhetorical, so I don't need you to give an answer because my guess is most of us would probably have to think long and hard about this, but I do want you to write this down in your notes if you're taking notes. Is Jesus enough for me? Or is he simply a means to an end? Because if if what you have is not enough to be grateful, thankful, and contented, getting more will not be enough either. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus and being grateful for what he, who He is, how He's working, and what He's already lavished on us, that is the key to contentment. So the first thing is, what you focus on, you will find. You focus on the negatives, you'll find the negatives 100% of the time. If you go looking for things to be thankful for, guess what? You'll find them too, in any and every situation. And this brings us to the second of two points that I'm going to make this morning. There's not a whole lot. The second point is this. You do not cultivate a thankful heart by accident. It doesn't just naturally happen. If anything negativity, dissatisfaction is the natural kind of out, outflow of living in a broken world that literally tries to disciple us, to train us to be dissatisfied with our life. So being thankful is a choice. Thankfulness is a choice. It is a choice that you need to make a decision about. Am I going to choose to be thankful? Am I going to choose to look for things that, like God's fingerprints in everything, or am I going to choose to be dissatisfied? Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians for just a moment. Let's look at what Paul says one more time. Paul says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In other words, it's not, just, it's not just a solution to be a happy person, right? Yes, joyful people aren't naturally thankful. If you are thankful, if you practice thankfulness, you will find that you are naturally a more joyful person. But 
That's not why we're called to do it. We're called to do it because it is literally our Father God's desire for us and it is His will for our life. Meaning that if you begin to practice thankfulness, you're actually doing the will of the Father. And when we look at it from that perspective, we begin to realize that practicing thankfulness, choosing to be thankful in any and every circumstance, is actually a spiritual discipline. I'm going to say that again because this is really important. Practicing gratitude, looking for God's fingerprints in any and every situation, even when the person you didn't vote for sits in the Oval Office or in Sacramento, even when gas prices go up, even when you're not able to be with your family, on Thanksgiving, even when somebody disappoints you, even when you get a prognosis at the doctor that you don't want, even then, even then, even then, looking for God's fingerprints in it and choosing to be thankful, that is a spiritual discipline. The more we lean into it, the more we do it, the more we go looking for the spiritual slug bugs of gratitude and things to be thankful for the easier it will become to see where God is moving in and everything, in all circumstances. And I get, like when you read 1 Thessalonians and he says, give thanks in all circumstances, the first thought is, okay, yeah, that's, that's a nice platitude, but it's not realistic. I mean, <laughs> what about Rachel? Rachel? whose husband just came through cancer, and then she gets diagnosed with thyroid cancer. What about then? What about when you get diagnosed with cancer? What about then? I should get thanks in, then in that circumstance? Are you kidding me? But this is going to radically transform my life in, in, in their circumstances, in racial circumstances. Like, I've got young children at home. I'm supposed to give thanks then, here? And we could easily, she could easily look at all of the ways in which this isn't fair, God. How could you possibly let this happen? Or, as she was telling me this morning, I am so thankful that the doctors accidentally found that cancer. I'm so thankful that they were actually able to treat it. I'm so thankful that the margins were clear and that they can't find any more cancer right now. Praise Jesus on that. She could focus on the fact that in getting cancer, that will impact her life for the rest of her life, regardless of whether or not it ever comes back. Or she could focus on the fact that because of her faith in Jesus Christ, regardless of whether the cancer comes back, regardless of whether or what it does to her body, because of the cross, that cancer will never, ever get the last word. Do you see that what you focus on determines what you see? Or think about Bill. Bill, who said yes to being our pastor of outreach, helping us as a church community be more focused outside of our church community. And the same week that happens, as he's helping an organization caring for homeless people, he backs up over something, trips on it, and ultimately messes up his neck and rips four different, uh, what are those, um, nerve endings. 
which means he gets to have lots of surgeries in his future. Should Bill be grateful then? Can he be thankful in that moment when he has to deal with chronic pain that is even affecting his ability to sit up here and play, that's affecting his ability to be able to move boxes for this ministry at the most important time of the year? I should be thankful then in those circumstances? He could focus on the limitations, or he could focus on the fact that, man, God, I'm so grateful that I'm still mobile. I'm so grateful my neck didn't break. I'm so grateful, God, for the doctors who are helping me care for this. I'm so thankful for cortisone shots that, that take some of the pain away. More importantly, I'm thankful for the men and women who are stepping up into the vacuum of my inability to lift boxes to come alongside of me. I'm so thankful for the reminder that, God, you are still working and you are still providing even when I don't have the strength to do it myself. And I'm so thankful that this pain won't get the last word. What you focus on will determine what you see. Or hypothetically, but it's not really hypothetical. I'm going to point to myself. Or when my children walk through painful seasons where there is friction in relationships with their friends at school, and they're hurting. And in their hurt, they make decisions that end up exacerbating those, those rough relationships. And, shockingly, when they don't feel comfortable there, they come and they kind of are jerks at home. I should be thankful then that my kids are hurting, and, they're, and because they're hurting, they're hurting us? I could focus on the ways in which Kids these days are so different from kids when we were growing up. Like, I would never talk to my parents that way. I just don't remember it. I, I literally asked my dad a couple of months ago, I said, Dad, I was a pretty easy kid to raise, right? My dad, my dad has Parkinson's. He doesn't even have the ability to smile, and his face lit up like a Cheshire cat. It's like I single-handedly overcame Parkinson's for a moment for him <laughs> by asking if I was an easy kid to raise. Y'all are laughing too. You know that that's, a, I, apparently I have a much different perspective of myself than he did, than everybody who knew me as a kid did. My wife did, oh yeah, Annie knew me as a kid. She could witness too. Don't ask her for stories. I could focus on the ways that my kids are hard and that this season is hard and the ways that they're hurting. Or I could focus on the fact that not only do they have friendships that they're working out some of this messiness in? But that our home is a place that's safe enough for them to let their guard down and to be messy because I know that they don't do that nearly as much there. They're totally different when they're around other people as when they're at home. And that, as frustrating as that is, as many gray hairs as that produces, that is a testimony to the safety and the security that they feel because perfect love drives out fear. And I wouldn't say that we perfectly love them, but it's safe enough for them to be real and raw. And it reminds me of how awkward I was as a kid and how much I've had to learn. And I'm not perfect in this, but man, I've, I've come a long way. And I'm grateful for the friendships that withstood that season so when we do our friends giving every year we get to gather with people that have been a part of our lives since fourth grade college like we're grateful for those friendships i want you to think for a moment about a circumstance in your life that is not going the way that you would have chosen 
Maybe it's the painful thing that, that in some ways, from some perspective, could be the knock against Jesus in your life and his sovereignty in your life. And I want you for a moment to just step back and invite the Holy Spirit to reveal to you how God is still working in that and to invite the Holy Spirit to show you what you can be thankful for in the midst of the messiness. Take a moment and think about that. And while you do that, I'm going to bring some chairs up because I want to invite some friends of mine, Clayton and Carla Woodruff, who are part of our church, have been for several years now. They're part of our life group as well, which is, is it is my great joy to get to do life with these two. Um, I'm going to invite them to come up and share with us, not because Clayton and Carla have um, uh, overtly have a ton to be thankful for, but because of how much Clayton and Carla have had to walk through over the course of the last year. Hold on. Hi. <laughs> Hello. I, I would love, and by the way, they are completely and totally uncomfortable uh, sharing in front of you, so uh, let's just stare at them and make them feel really uncomfortable. No. I love, this is family, and we're just going to talk. Um, I know that this has been a particularly difficult year, especially in these last six months. What are some of the things that you as a family have had to grapple through? Well, I hope so. Can you hear me? Yep. Um, just like everybody else, it's been a, a, an odd year for us, but um, Carla was um, going for her um, citizenship, and it should have been basic, just go in and out. She aced the test. And then there was a little problem. They said, you know what, there's a, an issue with someone that um, registered her to vote illegally. So they said, you know what, you got to get prepared to be deported. Hmm. And that was shocking to us. I mean, she's lived here her whole life, and, and, and it's, been, it's been a process for, for since we were dating all the way up to when we got married, hmm. of her trying to get her citizenship, and finally got to that, that last... Um, roadblock and and somebody has has pretended to be her and and yeah, using her yeah yeah and and we, we addressed that when when her um, yeah. green card status came up but Kay. just to be shocked to say that you're gonna get deported right especially you got two little two, boys two boys with your life here and 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 everything oh. that um, we built here it was kind of a real shock to our family, but yeah. Carla the whole time was, she was really worried about it, mm -hmm. and we were, we were both kind of like taken back, but we prayed about it. Um, the day that she got the news, you want to you share about Well, hold on. Before we, before we kind of wrap that up, there was, the, there was the citizenship question that has been looming over you for this last year. And then what about Jaxie? I know that you guys went through oh, a lot well, with him. So th this whole year has been, been, been a, a mess for everybody. <laughs> so, so we got COVID in August okay. um, after we did our two-week quarantine. We were fine, just the, just the run-of-the-mill thing. But after that, <laughs> we were excited to get back out, go to the, to the, the bonfire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
the, the, weekend, the weekend that we're going to go to the, the bonfire, uh, Carla's driving with Jackson. It was on my way to yeah, the bonfire. On, on, on the I way to the bonfire. rear-ended and got hit twice, actually, and the car was a total loss. Okay. And so you got rear-ended. So, so yeah. we, ha we had that, and yep. then a week later, Jackson wasn't feeling well. He just had, like, he's an energetic kid. He's r always running around. He was just lethargic. He didn't want to... Um, do anything, so we took him to and the doctor. And that is totally not his personality. No, he's he's hyper and 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 he's he's always out wanting to do stuff. Took him to the doctor. They said they didn't know what was wrong with him. They said it was COVID. I'm like, well, no, they thought he was constipated um, because <laughs> yeah. he couldn't walk. He was having difficulty walking, and he was holding himself. And so we took him to urgent care like three times, and mm. finally we took him to the ER. And it took them a while, but they realized that he had appendicitis. And then when they finally did the surgery, they realized that his appendix actually ruptured. So he had to stay in the hospital for eight days. And, and Jaxie is a really big kid. He's like 20, right? Now, how old is Jackson? <laughs> he's six. So Jackson is six. He is, weighs about as much as this leg. So he's already little. And your, your little boy, who's been dealing with pain, has an ruptured appendix and poison is flooding his body. Do you see how they've been through? I mean, they, they, this sounds either like you're reading the book of Job or listening to a country song, right? <laughs> like, they've been through a lot over the course of this last year, but this is the reason why I wanted them to come up and share with you. Not because of what they've been through, but I know that when I came over to your house one night, it, it, Jackson had just come home from the hospital. He'd lost, I mean, I think he lost like a quarter of his body weight in that time because right. the poor kid couldn't eat at all while he was in there, which is just really, really difficult. And yet, the whole atmosphere of your home was peaceful. There was a sense of hopefulness and joyfulness. Jaxie, massive smile on his face. I mean, that, he is just a happy boy. Uh, there was just something about your home that was so not in characteristic with what you'd been walking through. You had every right to be angry at God and just pissed off about life, and yet you weren't. So I would love for you to share with us how in the midst of walking through everything that you've walked through, have you seen God's fingerprints in it? How have you maintained your hope and your, your contentedness in the midst of this season? Well, like initially, like after the green, um, my citizenship interview, I mean, I was a hot mess. I was very emotional. Mm. I was just couldn't believe what was happening. And when I finally got home with the boys, um, Jaxie was actually going to Little Lighthouse um, for preschool and mm -hmm. they learned a new verse every week. And that day he just kept singing, Fear not, for God, for I am with you. And he mm. just kept singing it over and over again. And I couldn't help but, like, listen to that and realize, like, this is the message that God is sending. Like, something bad just happened, but he's going to take care of it. And it's going to be in his timing. So that was one of the ways that I feel we got through that. And, I mean, I think later, because it took almost a year to get a response on this, I remember back in, like, April... I was having a really hard time with it because I wasn't getting a response and I was getting very impatient. About your citizenship? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he, I just kind of prayed and I said, just give me like a ray of hope, anything, just something. 
And so I opened my Bible and I happened to open to Matthew 7, 7. And it just says, asking you shall receive, um, seeking you will find. And, you know, I um, can't remember the last part right now. Knock and be open. Yeah. And then I kept reading and I started reading about all the miracles that he had done for so many people. And that right there, I felt like that was a miracle in itself for me. Like, mm -hmm. he's going to take care of this. I just need to be patient. And that's mm -hmm. really hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> so that was one way to help with that. Um, yeah, I think we, we've been blessed throughout our whole life. But I think, like, when you asked us to share this, we're like, well, it's just a bump in the road. <laughs> because we, we, we've seen God move in our, our life. And, and every time we think, oh, well... He's not going to answer this prayer, but <laughs> he, he answers it in a different way, mm -hmm. and, and it shows up in a different way, mm -hmm. and sometimes we're kind of impatient, or, and like she was saying, um, I kept saying, you know, it's, it's going to be fine, like, I, I think it's going to be fine, but even I was doubting, like, I was mm -hmm. trying to be put on a brave face, but even I was doubting, like, how is this happening right now, and she, she just kept praying, and, and at night, um, at night, we, we pray together as a family, but there's always, we always ask, say, what's the five things you're grateful for mm -hmm. and thankful for? And we ask the kids. And Jackson's the, the, the littlest one, but he always knows how to <laughs> say what he's thankful for. And when he prays, he, he, he prays to, to the moment. And, mm -hmm. and, it's, and, it's, and it's a testament of how God's moved through our family and 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 when you asked to share, it was like, this is just another, <laughs> just something that we're just going to move on from. And that's, mm -hmm. how, that's how, how it is. It's always been in, in our life. And, and I think uh, God has very blessed, has blessed us very well. And even if we haven't um, walked with him um, faithfully. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I, I love that you guys have been intentional about practicing gratitude. That, that, that as a spiritual discipline, that is a discipline that your family has employed. And because of that, even in the midst of some really hard things, like the potential of being deported, having one of your cars totaled with your kids inside, I know that that affected you kind of physically a little bit, having your, your little uh, son have poison flooding through his body when you tried to do everything you could to, to stave that off. There could be so many opportunities to go, what if, what if, what if? I think it helps too, though, like even Jackson, mm -hmm. I, like seeing his faith already at such a young age really eased and kept us, like I think if I had been a year or two ago, I would have been like emotional and just like worried and stressed out, but I feel like we were actually really calm throughout mm -hmm. the whole thing, and he was so peaceful even going into surgery. He was just very peaceful, and, it, and I, that helped a lot for me as a mother, and then when he came out, he's like, you know, I'm just thankful that daddy was there and you were there mm. and God was there with me too. And like for him to know that God was there with him just meant so much yeah. and it just eased a lot of that anxiety. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap up, because I know that this is a question people have, how, what is going on with your citizenship? I get to become a U.S. citizen on December 6th. December 6th. For those of us who take for granted where we were born, see the joy in her face. We are truly blessed. We have so much to be grateful for. 
so many blessings that we take for granted, so much so that it becomes very easy, like some of our kids do. It becomes easy for us to focus on what we don't have or what other people appear to have. We need to be people who practice, ruthlessly practice gratitude in our life. And so thank you guys for being willing to share. I super appreciate it. You did a great job. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask Charlie and uh, our ushers to pass out some 3 by 5 cards to you right now because I want to give you an opportunity to practice some gratitude of your own. And so we're going to do what the Woodruff family does. We are going to look for five things that you are grateful for right now. And if they don't come to mind automatically, that's okay. Take your time. This is, this is part of our response time, is I genuinely want you to think through what are five things you're grateful for? Where are five places where you see the fingerprints of God even in the midst of the messiness of your life? And I want you to write them down. It could just be a word. It could be a sentence. You could, do, you could kind of write a little paragraph, whatever. But I'm going to ask you to take a few minutes while the worship team comes forward right now. Take some time to prayerfully go, God, help me to identify five things to be grateful for. Let's go ahead and do that right now. They are, they are just getting ready, but I'm going to um, kind of share with you where we're going to go with this, and then we're going to go into a time of response. The Israelites were, were trained over and over and over to stack rocks and, and kind of take moments to remind themselves why they are grateful, and so we are going to build a little altar of remembrance here. We have uh, this little structure here. I've got some pins so here what i'm going to invite you to do during our response time is when you are ready when you come up with your five and you can come up with more by the way i'm going to invite you to come up grab a clothespin and you're just going to go ahead and put it up here and we are going to create a wall of gratitude for the ways that god has been faithful to us as a church family and so let's continue to, to prayerfully consider how God has been gracious while our worship team leads us in this time.
are good. That is something to celebrate and be thankful. <laughs> this brings me great joy. And thank you, because this isn't, this isn't something that you can put together no. when the world is placid. And if we had tried to put this together when everything was going fine, they would probably be pretty darn superficial. My guess is much of what is on this is a testimony to God's faithfulness in the middle of the dark valleys that each of us find ourselves walking through at one point or another. My guess is the things that hold the greatest amount of weight, the things that we are most grateful for, were tinged with sadness. That's often how life is. In this world, we will have trouble, but we are grateful for the fact that because of what he did on the cross, he has overcome the brokenness of this world. Sadness and thankfulness go hand in hand. You know this, but I think it's important for us to remember because we have one more thing that we want to celebrate today. And it is a celebration that is marked with sadness, because any time that we let go of, say goodbye to one of our church family members because God says, hey, it's time for you to come with me towards something else, that's hard. And so about a year ago, in the midst of COVID, as Ben and Cheyenne, who were another couple that were a part of our church for far too short a period of time, we're saying, hey, we feel God is calling us to move to Tennessee, and Ben and Cheyenne, we love you, and their, their fingerprints are still felt all over this church. In the midst of saying goodbye to them, we said, how do we, how do we possibly fill shoes that Cheyenne has been filling up here on the worship stage, and how, how do we fill some shoes upstairs that Ben has been occupying? And God brought a couple into our church community from Indiana, of all places, in Shelly and Steve. I'm going to invite Shelly and Steve to come up. And Shelly, why don't you bring your mic? Shelly and Steve came <laughs> with incredible gifts. And they also came uh, from a season of pain. Here, come on. Come. Uh, they're one of the things I absolutely love about our church is that we have, a, we have this tendency that people come hurt and leave more healthy than they came. And, and, and I love that people come and leave fingerprints on our church. So Shelly and Steve came. And at the time, our worship team, I will just be honest with you, some of them were like, why am I even doing this? There is no joy in this ministry right now. It feels like we're trying to lead people who want, who, who aren't, they, how do we do this? Should we do this or should we just go ahead and try to do ministry elsewhere? And I'm sorry if I'm speaking for you. But there was, there was a lot of messiness that Shelly and Steve stepped into. And I can tell you that over the course of this last year, I have watched as God has used you too to unify this team into something much more than a team. You've made a family out of this team. But I know, because we just found out this last weekend, I know that God has been kind of laying some things on your hearts about another step that would take you outside of Lighthouse. So would you like to go ahead and share what's going on? Yeah. So uh, I was involved in a ministry called Youth with a Mission, YOM, when I was uh, 
quite a bit younger, like between college. I did two years of college, and then I did YWAM for two years. I was in Europe and Mexico, and then uh, finished my last two years of college, and had always wanted to get reacquainted uh, with that ministry and reinvolved with that. And so when we came to California, it was one of our goals to uh, to connect up with YWAM, and there's uh, the one that we ended up connecting with is down toward Tijuana. It's just south of Tijuana, about halfway between Tijuana and Rosarita. Mm -hmm. And it's a really neat ministry, and we've been down there a few times and volunteered and really connected with the leadership. And we really feel like God is directing us to kind of head down towards San Diego way to get more involved in that. We don't know exactly what that looks like. We ask for all, all of your prayers for us, uh, but we just feel like that, that there's a step that's drawing us down in that direction. An another unfortunate thing is... Uh, weirdest thing like I've been in California now for we've been here for two and a half years and it, about six months ago I developed like asthma just boom uh, adult onset asthma never had it in my life and so um, we live kind of where the five and the 405 kind of meet and I don't know if that's the reason or some other reason <laughs> but we are yeah the, you know, the Holy Spirit fears to tread over there <laughs> yeah so, so, you know, we're looking for a climate down there or an area that's going to have a little bit better air quality, change the environment and mm -hmm. see if that would improve uh, my condition. So it's been really a drag of being on breathers and inhalers and all kinds of stuff, which I've never had to do before. So that's a huge reason is to, is to try to find a place. And we still want to be in California. Mm -hmm. um, California has been challenging for us on and several things that we had come here hoping would happen didn't happen. Economically, it's still a little bit challenging. So in this next season, as we as we venture towards San Diego, uh, God willing, that um, yeah, well, I did breathe better when I was down in the in the mission, <laughs> That's the thing. so that helps. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, so as we as we head down there, we're looking for a few things economically that haven't happened yet to happen. Mm -hmm. And I guess worst case scenario is if those don't happen in this next season, then we would probably go back to Indiana. Yeah. Um, so there's some things that we're, that we're hoping will happen and we're praying will happen. And so that's essentially what, what our plan is right now. But we're not really uh, leaving the area right away. Um, we're just taking one step at a time. My mom still lives in Laguna Woods, so we'll be back in this direction. So we want to maintain you know, a relationship with with, uh, with those of you who have become to be lifelong friends for us. And we really are appreciative of our time here and with the worship team and just with other folks and with the, the life group. With um, It's just been wonderful, and we've developed so many lifelong friends. So, Yeah, we moved here, and the bottom fell out. COVID came, right? Mm -hmm. And then we were sent here, and so you guys basically kept me from you know being in the hospital mentally <laughs> so it's just been great to have a family here since we don't have family here so we don't want to lose you guys we don't really know what's going on we just know he can't breathe well here we don't sleep through the nights and when we were in Mexico he we slept he could breathe better and so we're just checking and unfortunately the only time he has off is the weekends so we're going to check out some areas um, see if the air's better and, and we can still stay in California or if we have to go back to Indiana. He didn't have asthma there. It's very strange. And it's bad asthma. It's not like, oh, oh, poor guy. It's bad. So, so in this, obviously, as a, as a worship team, as a pastor who we see the fingerprints that in the short period of time that you've been here, you have 
absolutely left on our church community. There is grief in this giving, right? Nothing that we give to God doesn't cost us something. And if it does, if it doesn't cost us something, then it's really not a sacrifice at all. We have always had the posture of holding every single person that calls Lighthouse loosely because God is sovereign and God gets to kind of call the shots. And so this isn't necessarily our timing. It's not what we would want, and yet at the same time, we are excited to see what God has in store for you. And I know that you don't have all the answers, and so as your church family, and we continue to be family to them, as your church family, we want to hold you up as you guys prepare to take this next step. And just so you know, this is not their last weekend. Next weekend will be because they need to, as they were saying, begin to go scout the land and go, God, where might you have us land? And so we are going to just pray over this couple that has become part of our church family and will continue to be so as we prepare to send them out. And so we would love that opportunity if you guys would just come right down here. And as we often do, if you feel comfortable and you want to come and pray over them, we're going to just lay hands on and pray out loud at the same time. So they're going to come down here. I, worship team, I know that you probably are supposed to play, but whatever. I'd want you guys down here because they're family. And you guys, more than anybody. And if, you are, if you're seated back there, it's totally fine. You can just extend a hand if you want to come up and play, lay, lay your hands on them. Let's go ahead and begin praying out loud together. God will make sense of all of that. And then as we're getting towards the end, Bill is going to go ahead and close us. Father God, sometimes it is hard to let go of those we love. But we know that you have a plan. We know that as we let them go, they are in your hands. We are so grateful. We come with grateful hearts. We come with gratitude for the impact, the love they have shown to us. And we go holding them close in our hearts. We come just with gratitude for who they are. Steve and Shelley have meant so much to us and they will continue to do so. We will continue to remember them in our prayers. We thank you for the family that is at Lighthouse Community Church and for the plan that you have for us as well. So this day, oh God, we lay everything, the plan for us, the plan for them, and all that you are, God, we commit this day to you and the plan for Lighthouse, the plan for Stephen Shelley, Father, we lay at the foot of the cross and in the hands of you, O oh God, that you would bless us. And we ask this day, Father, that for all of those watching and, and in the streams and everything, that you would continue to bless us. We thank you for the message of our pastor. And we give this day to you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we ask for your blessings on this day in his holy name. 
Amen. God bless you all for being with us this day in-house and on the line and in the stream. May you have a blessed day. God bless. There's a couple of things I want to invite those of you who are in-house into, if you would like to join us in. We are, tomorrow, we're going to begin decorating this whole area for Christmas. And so if you are, want to get a jump start on schlepping, we're going to bring all our Christmas stuff down. So if you are here and you can carry stuff, join us in that. And then also, if you want to help with Thanksgiving in some capacity, Rachel will be at the back as well. Uh, Gary, will you guys be at the back if anybody has questions about the Thanksgiving stuff? Awesome. Have a wonderful week. We love you. If you have prayer requests, you can drop them in the back along with your offerings. Have a great week.